What's kind of interesting is to see the coverage that we have in sports and watch it sort of trickle into other industries. And I think that that's a good segue to start talking about the major Flexport news that just dropped (laughs) um, related to, we'll get to that one in just a second, but it's kind of related to this first topic of what if great tech companies were as honest with their employees (laughs) as Dave Portnoy, CEO, founder of Barstool, is with his employees. And I'm going to bring up this tweet. So if you're just listening, um, I'm going to share a screen of the Dave Portnoy tweet who he was talking about um, basically after in our last episode, we talked about how he <laughs> took back over um, the bar. He bought the company back for $1 after selling it for millions, hundreds of millions. And, and so he's on a tear right now. And it's fantastic to so see good. him kind of digging into the media business side of things, which I know we're both really fascinated by. We both work in media, fascinated by how other industries treat media and sports just as such a beacon at the top that it affects all other industries and how it's covered. And so with this first um, tweet that we show, it is uh, Dave Portnoy, and he's asking, how was Barstool losing money? We're jumping out of planes and filming it like we're filming Mission Impossible 8. Don't get me wrong. This is an unreal production value. You will also never see this again, so <laughs> enjoy it, which I think is just so great because it's it, it's a well-produced pr- video. But Barstool oh. is very infamous for using the i guess in office drama is that, is that a safe assessment yeah a thousand percent i mean it's uh over the last couple well, they they just let 100 people go last week and so uh he's uh, before even that happened i think last episode we talked about the fact that no one was in the office the day that he bought it and he was like y'all are gonna regret this because we're gonna have to make cuts i mean uh you, you buy your coming back for a dollar you're you've lost value, you know, and here's what's interesting about them is that you, you, you've went from basically creating content to get people to gamble with pen. Mm-hmm. That was the whole point. And as happy as we've talked about this past, we are that that's kind of done. Now it's back to a straight up just media company. And <laughs> that's really his point in all this is that like, no, we're, we don't have the budget of pen anymore. We have the budget of a uh, non-profitable company. I think he, he was telling people we lost $12 million last year. So mm. how are we making that up? And it makes me laugh. Cause I think about a lot of like the freight tech companies or even brokerages that we've talked about that are losing money hand over fist. And, and I wonder sometimes like, why don't companies talk to their employees like he does? Now, I think there's there's situations that are meant for content that I think are lightly inappropriate for a, a different setting that's not using that to make content, right? But I mean, like, even those situ- situations, like, he's telling people, like, listen, like, we, we're going to lose 100 people. And it's going to be mm-hmm. people that are, there's a lot of producers that people are fans of, a lot of uh, uh, behind-the-scenes people that now... Uh, are going to uh, the people that are left are going to have to take up their role. And that's like one thing that he like got on one of his employees for last uh, two weeks ago was like, he complained about one person being gone. He's like, I have to fire a hundred. And so I think the employee came back and said, well, how are we supposed to blog then on the weekend? And he's like, someone else does it. Like you got to make it up where you can. And as much as that, it's harsh. 
I think in a startup setting, it's it's fair to to explain that to people. And and I think I've said this on the show before, even in a lot of what we write about or layoff situations and things like that. It's like I write those stories as and try to explain in a way that makes business sense so that people understand the companies that they're getting into and the business model that they're getting into. There's a huge difference between joining the procurement process of uh, or coming out of like a, a supply chain degree and joining um, uh, let's say uh, like Johnson Johnson. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like someone who's huge where it's like, they're not going anywhere. If they do have cuts, you know, it's they're they're probably a little bit more analytical and, and seen further down the line than a startup is. Right. And then you have c- c- people who are joining, you know, startups that we've seen have layoffs, convoy, if we talked about flock in the past, stuff like that. And it, it really irritates me sometimes talking to individuals who are like, I, I just didn't see this coming. And it's like, how? You're in a startup <laughs> environment in, a, in a, an industry that's like just struggling. I mean, it, like, not that I think anything is wrong with my job here at Freightways, but I'm constantly working and, and sometimes even adding stuff to to the work I'm doing for the company because I want to show that value. But also, uh, we're a pirate ship, and we want to get shit done, and we want to take freight waste to a certain level. And that's probably going to be a little bit more work outside of whatever you feel like your salary tells you it's worth. And I just think that sometimes uh, our generation, my generation, is really, as much as I am for and love the whole employee rights thing, because I think that stuff is absolutely true. Like, you shouldn't treat employees like shit. And that's kind of where at some t- points I disagree with. Portnoy in a more professional setting, but you have to understand the business model that mm-hmm. that's behind it and in the economics behind it and, and have those conversations. Like, listen, I'm not, you don't have to be transparent and maybe what the company is losing, but what do I need to do here to make sure that I'm solidified if something were to happen? And Absolutely. how can I, sh- yeah. How can and, I showcase also- that value? In understanding the business model of the of whatever company you're working for or working at, it, it's even from like a marketing perspective. It, I scream to marketers: you have to understand where revenue is coming from, otherwise, you're yeah. never going to be able to justify your role. And so, if you don't have that deep understanding, it's not enough to just write some blogs each week. You need to know what kind of traffic that is having an impact on your audience. What are they liking? What do they want to see more of? And then you have to do more of what they like and do less of what they don't like. And so there's all these different variables that it's almost like, it's not just a business ROI, but what your personal ROI is. And maybe working at a startup is not right for you because you're going to be working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week. Do you want your work-life balance? If you want work-life balance, then go get a a traditional eight to five job, show up right at eight and and leave right at five. But for some companies, if you really want something greater out of life, you're going to have to work the odd hours. You're going to have to work longer than than what is traditionally thought of. But the thing is, like, if you typically will, you get what you get back, what you put in. And exactly, yeah. it's a personal investment. It's a personal choice. And I think that you're, you're right where it's like a lot of like the, uh, you know, millennials, Gen Z, they have this glorified view of what work is. And it's like, 
look at the economy, look mm-hmm. at where it's things are making money and things are losing money. Try to invest in careers that are going to be making money for the long run and then be prepared to work. Because if you are prepared to work, you know, from the time maybe you're you're 24 to the time that you're 40, that those years can determine how you spend the rest of your life. Yeah. So do you want to bust ass now while you have a lot of energy? Or do you want to wake up at 40 and think, oh my God, I've wasted so much time. I could have been building. I could have been compounding on all of the different things that I've done over the last 20 years and how that's going to affect the next 40 years of my life. Yeah. And I I don't want people to think that like one is better than the other. I just want people to understand the circumstances that they're in and say to themselves, like, you know, is that something I want or is that? Is that something I'm, I mean, I think we've even talked about in in the situation I am, I'm in, like I've been offered positions to go back into brokerage and kind of be in that same role, but I don't want that. You know, I, I enjoy, and we were just talking about this, like I enjoy being able to go get lunch with my dad. If I want Mm -hmm. to, I enjoy it. And I have to work harder to make up for the income of the difference. Um, And I've, put in that work earlier that kind of, you know, helps make that decision as well. Or work a little late. I think you were just yeah. talking about how you were yeah. working until 1am. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's those challenge, those, I think that's also where a lot of folks that they get a little tripped up and they expect a certain set schedule, but then they, they value something that's not part of that schedule. And yes. it, you have to take personal accountability, personal responsibility to get that shit done. Even if you make those choices during the day that are going to prevent you or maybe delay you a little bit longer that, than getting that job done. Um, yeah. For this particular situation, using Dave, I guess, as the the catalyst of where he's talking about, you know, companies waste or his company wasting money on just stuff that just is not necessary. Where do you think in freight that money is just obscenely wasted? Yeah, you know, I think that to bring up marketing again, uh, I I want to say marketing in particular, but I think when I, I'm more of when I say that, I think it's more of how companies attack their marketing side of things. I, there's, <laughs> and I, I just, I hate to say this. Cause I don't want people to think, <laughs> of course she's going to say that because of like what she does and what she's doing here with Blythe. But like, I think people underestimate outsourcing it more than they, than they should. I've been in the position before where you're hiring talented, wonderful, talented people who have no experience in this industry. And the amount of, t- I think people don't realize the amount of time that it takes to, for you to, to help them understand what they're marketing, the importance of it uh, without any industry experience can be really rough. And a lot of times when I talk to different departments and things like that, it's like, Oh my God, like the value of, the product that you're building is just like going right over your head. Like, mm. and maybe point A and B are important and you're right. Those are how your technology is helping. But like, that's the tip of the iceberg. There's C, D, E, F, and G that uh, add up to even more of a, a, a better ROI or return in different departments. But I feel like sometimes because of how people um, invest in their marketing, but those points are never hit. And so 
is there's PR firms out there that specialize right in these areas. There's uh, people like you, right. Who have the expertise. And that's why I'm like, yeah, people are like, here we go. But uh, <laughs> it's true. And I mean, I think it truly works and because it's just a weird industry. And I think what upsets me is that we, especially in the freight tech world, right. There's so many fingers that are pointed that are like, Oh, well, that wasn't built by people who come from the industry. So like, why should we trust it? Okay, then take that and throw that same energy at your marketing department. Because it's like, how do you, because that's what's selling your product at the end of the day. Right. And that's what's helping shape the messaging behind it. So for you to say that tech companies can't build engineers who are, you know, built as engineers can't build something uh, without the help, that doesn't make sense to me. Your marketing department doesn't mirror that same concept too. So I think that's a big area that people should consider a little bit more. 100% because when I got started and I, I started out as an executive assistant who was then given all of the marketing stuff because I merely had a present because I had a blog and because I was mm -hmm. present on social media. Um, so it was one of those things where like, here, take it and run. And thankfully I had, you know, a boss that was going to invest in me that answered a lot of my questions that yeah. were very elementary, but it took me a hell of a long time to learn what works. I spent so much time just trying to make a PDF presentation that oh. looked good. Um, yeah. And there was endless edits to it. So it's like the PDF presentation is like, okay, well, that looks good. So if people like this, then I can take this similar format and I can mold it to the website because I already know that they like this. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take it here. And then for a lot of the social media, I had no idea what I was doing. I did a lot of the traditional stuff that you see a lot of freight companies still doing today. Um, yeah. They're doing like happy Labor Day from our team to yours. Nobody cares. Yeah. They just keep scrolling. That doesn't yeah. impact folks at all. But I think for, a, a, I would say, what do you think? Like 60, 65% of freight companies market that way. And I, oh, I, I would use quotation marks as like market themselves that way. There's really only a very small amount of companies in the logistics industry that are doing creative things when it comes to yeah. marketing. Um, but then everybody else is kind of doing okay things. And then uh, the rest, I would say probably 60% are doing marketing things that they think are valuable, but have no value whatsoever. Um, yeah. I just, just got done with them um, on FreightWaves uh, Presents and, and talking with Bill Priestley and Kevin Hill on what some companies can do to set the foundation of their marketing. If you are a marketer that's looking to kind of up their, their level, their knowledge level. I, I mean, it's sad to say there's not a lot of resources unless you go internal. I, I mean, yeah. I worked at a trucking company for five years. I only knew trucking. I didn't yeah. know how intermodal interacts with it. I didn't know how maritime interacts with it. Uh, you know, planes, uh, you know, all yeah. of these other things that have anything to do warehousing, robotics. Um, I, I didn't know any of that until I started the podcast. And so starting the podcast was my education level or trying to get educated. But a lot of marketers don't have that luxury. Are you in freight sales with a book of business looking for a new home? Or perhaps you're a freight agent in need of a better partnership. These are the kinds of conversations we're exploring in our podcast interview series called The Freight Agent Trenches, sponsored by SPI Logistics. 
Now, I can tell you all day that SPI is one of the most successful logistics firms in North America who helps their agents with back office operations, such as admin, finance, IT, and sales, but I would much rather you hear it directly from SPI's freight agents themselves. And what better way to do that than by listening to the experienced freight agents tell their stories behind the how and the why they joined SPI. Hit the freight agent link in our show notes to listen to these conversations, or if you're ready to make the jump, visit spi3pl.com. So what would you, I guess, maybe suggest to those marketers who they're pro- they maybe they're coming in from like an internship and they're working at the, con- uh, what would you, what would you suggest to them to learn more about the industry before they make a fool of themselves? Uh, well, I would say first, if you already have the job, right. And you're already in it, like shadow, just mm-hmm. shadow, uh, employees and, and work and see exactly, especially the sales team, like what's winning over the phone, what pitches are they using? That's bringing in customers and, and take those pitches and, and run with them and figure out creative ways to draw an audience in around that. Right. Um, and then, uh, I mean, the fun thing about being on the logistics side too, is that you have you're catering to both shippers and carriers. So same thing. Sit with the carrier department, see what, uh, let's say that you're sitting there and there's a carrier rep that every carrier loves, who's like never has issues and use them to spotlight some of the carrier work that you're doing. Right. Like, and I think that's probably the best way if you already have the job, if you don't, uh, I would consider if you want to be in this working in marketing in this industry long-term, right? Like know that you're going into it because I think where I think it would just be really hard to bounce from a logistics marketing job to like any other industry. It's hard to like, kind of like bring that over. Um, I, it might help you with like different like types of pitches and working with different like types of customers, like enterprise versus more small, medium sized companies. Um, but really like sit and ask like what they need from you and ask about budgets and, and things that are uh, important, I think to the job that you're hoping to do and ask the support, right? Like Mm -hmm. how available are you? If I have a question, are you really, can I reach out to you at any point in the day? Right. In your situation, you're able to do that, but in a startup environment, like getting a CEO to, uh, help you understand what a partial load is, is like, no, I've got so much stuff going on. And that's kind of goes back to like the expectations things. Like you shouldn't hate the CEO for that. Mm-hmm. You should actually really like that. They want that. They hired you for that role and they want you to run with it. But um, again, it's it kind of setting expectations before you start that endeavor and realizing, okay, this is going to be a lot more work than, than maybe I thought and what your resources are, right? We talk about waste, like are your, are your resources good? Are they not? And and judge your background and whether or not you can do that job. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in one way to really sort of expedite that shadowing process of what every marketer should be doing on a regular basis is also just get a tool like otter.ai. I, I swear yeah. they're not a sponsor of the show. I feel like yeah, I mentioned right? them in every piece of content that I create. 
Um, but they automatically, for folks who don't know, they automatically join meetings. So you could set it up where you have an Otter AI team account. It auto joins every sales call, every client call, customer call, creates a list of, uh, creates a transcription of that con of that conversation, and then creates a list of takeaways. And you could use that as sort of a database of training. So then that way you can read through come up with your questions and so then smart. be able to be go back to the leadership team and be like, okay, well, what was meant here? What, what did you mean by this? Like, how can I phrase this a little bit differently, a little bit better uh, is something that annoys the hell out of me is something that I uh, really learned the hard way during what some of my first presentations is was looking for stock photos. Yeah. Basically, the only stock photos that are on the internet right now for the freight industry are European trucks. Yeah. It's getting a little bit better um, over the last 10 years, but I used European trucks on our website. And my boss was like, What do you know? He's like, We are a reefer care asset based 3PL. We need American like trucks everywhere. <laughs> He's like, like we need American RGM. trucks with the reefer unit on the back of the truck. Otherwise, people are going to call us fraudulent. And I was like, I didn't know that until I messed up. So I think that there's, you know, uh, giving yourself a little bit of grace to, uh, uh, to mess up. But then also, some of your best content can come from the things that you don't know that you find fascinating. So I would yeah. almost embrace that too, where it's mm. like this industry, you know, has traditionally been thought of as so boring, but that it's couldn't be further from the truth that you have so many cool stories to tell of like cool shipments and, you know, the, the logistics of which we always get into and we'll get into a little bit later on in the show, but you have those stories within your office and something that you may find really cool. I guarantee somebody else would find cool too, because a lot of these shippers, a lot of these customers, they don't know the ins and outs of freight either. And so with your content, combined with the sales team and, uh, you know, like a, a meeting note taking tool, you can combine all of those together to a nice little like Venn diagram of content that's going to generate brand awareness. And then that resonates with the shippers, the people you're trying to target, um, who aren't necessarily going to care if it's like a reefer truck or like a flatbed truck, um, yeah. unless they're, you know, that's specific to their product that you're trying to haul, then that's a different story. So I kind of take yeah. that back a little bit, but the point still stands that you have some cool stories within your company and don't be afraid to identify them, but also don't be afraid to be a constant learner. I think that that's yeah. where, you know, a lot of marketers, they just kind of stay to themselves and they don't, they're afraid to kind of ask questions and don't I, be curious, ask those questions, sit in on those meetings and then, you know, take it from there. I think that's a good sort of starting point. Any, any other areas of freight that is, you know, money is obscenely wasted. I, I would throw advertising out there. Um, but that's the only one I can really think of because a lot of these advertising firms, especially freight specific ones, they use the same photos for yeah. different companies. And yeah. uh, kind of going back to, you know, that point I just made about the lack of like truck photos that are on, you know, these stock image sites, take the extra step, take photos of your fleet. If you have them, take photos of your office, make your content unique. Don't try not to use stock photos wherever as possible, but also audit the companies that you're outsourcing to because they could be using the a lot of the same materials on different uh, com uh different competitors. I mean, I there was an instance where I outsourced um a video that I wanted created to a freight marketing company and that freight marketing company used my exact template uh for another company. And I was pissed off about it and I never That's hired them again. <laughs> so awful. Things that you got to keep in mind um 
as solo marketers, as, you know, small team marketers, especially if you utilize outsourcing. Um, so just, those are a couple ways of, of where I think from my end where I see money being wasted. Are there, is there anything else that, that you think is important to bring up? Uh, I think if we're talking kind of on my end of things and a lot of the work that I do on a daily basis, I think, uh, automation in particular a lot of the technology that we write about uh is almost more of a missed opportunity type of cost uh the the fear of spending money i think is is the big one here uh especially i won't get into it too much but just some of this shit i can swear on this right some of the (laughs) shit that i see like companies purchasing or doing and i'm like but you didn't want to even automate your back office. That shit's funny to me. Uh, I, I was talking to an uh, individual in the space and uh, they were telling me how frustrating it is sometimes to sell technology to small, medium-sized players in the space that the big players get it. They understand the investment. They understand the, what they want to scale to, what they want to get to and the investment needed to get to that point. And is something I think learning from Craig in here at Freight Waves is like moving quickly and understanding like you can't just sit on something that you know is going to make your company better, get it done, enact it, and see the payoff faster as well. But I think a lot of times in these, and I get, I will say, I get it. I understand you're watching your PL. I understand brokers, especially right now, you got tight margins and you're entering into a situation where now. Uh, shippers are going to start rebidding right for their, the next year and they're going to start squeezing those down even more and it's going to get people in a tight spot. But there's so many areas of waste and opportunity within a brokerage. And so, I mean, I like I, my, one of my favorites is just back office, like accounting mm-hmm. in particular. And so often people say like, listen, that's just like, it's a lot of money that we're putting out there. But at the same time, you're the same company that's hiring and firing uh, 30 people every single month, right? And so for me, it's like, I just like seeing, there's nothing more I love, there's nothing I love more than seeing a company invest in something, especially something maybe I've, I've written about and I've been passionate about and see it work out for them. I will, everyone out there should go and check out, um, uh, oh God, what is the name of her company? I'm going to look it up now. Cause it's, I don't know why it's blanking on me. Cause like a was, back office company. No, no, it's uh um, we're talking about a company that I think is grown in particular. I just, am like overly, okay, there we go. Trailer transport, Brittany trailer, you know, her, I, I, I guarantee, you know, her, if you, if you haven't met her, I think uh, I saw her on your Instagram story the other day. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. So, She's a, when I first met her, she was a, you probably were there too. She was a small carrier. She had just started her own trucking company and she don't even get me started on what people pay for events. So whatever, but she went to our uh, Arkansas event, Hmm. which for the position that she's in is probably a huge investment for her. She used that opportunity so well. She talked to every single tech company. She was taking notes. She was watching every single uh, uh, chat. She was just at, like just executing that investment so well. And out of that, she's now partnered with Turbo, which is, again, another investment. 
but one that has helped her scale immensely. Hmm. Um, Probably what I shared was an interview where she discussed how two years ago, she said, I'm leaving a company and she told all of the employees that she was working with that she was getting out of there. And now she's hired all of them, all of her, her past uh, uh, coworkers, right? That's usually a good sign of a good company is if yeah. the first, when you go out on your own and the first people are the the company or the first, your first customers or employees are the first people that you worked with before. For, for me, she's a perfect uh, case study of taking the resources that honestly FreightWaves has, has opened up to her, whether that's individuals like myself who she can talk to on how to kind of execute and attack things, whether it's the opportunity to, I mean, Turbo then had her at the next event. They brought her to F3 that following year to showcase to people like what their technology was able to do. That's cool. And I know companies that have, have done 40 meetings with Turbo or companies like it and say no. And it's like, she just, she said, you know what? These are the tools that I need to grow and become successful and in an environment where carriers are firing drivers and just struggling to figure it out. I mean, I've talked to her before. She, yeah, the market's hurting her, but she's still adding drivers and she's still growing and she's invested in like, she's a carrier tech company. That's how so she markets herself. That's like, cool. It's really cool. It's so fucking cool because I talk to drivers all day long about whether or not AI is like real. Like we're still having that conversation and it's like, stop it like realize what you need to get to where you need to be and just jump right in and she's just like i just sent her one of her marketing videos and it's like it's what's so cool about it blythe is like it's trickled into her whole culture everyone that's working with her is like making these cool marketing videos oh that's cool it's just so what's her company name again trailer transport t-r-a-y-l-o-r uh transport transpo t-r-a-n-s-p-o yeah and it's like it's just so cool and so i i just i hope people understand that like if you can make the right investment in technology and you're into change management and, and focusing on how maybe your operations will change around it and just taking that that jump like the roi is always there usually there um, but it's, it's on definitely you. cool to, to hear, you know, the, a success yeah. story when so much is like just doomerism, like everything, yeah. the sky is falling and there's no way right. out. No, there's opportunity as little said in game of Thrones, chaos oh is a ladder. So look yes. for the opportunities in the middle of the chaos. And that sounds exactly like what she's done. It's so, so good. And it's like, I think I text her at least once or twice a week. like nailed it like it's 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 how a trucking company should grow and she's just like so good yeah everyone go check her out she's absolutely incredible is she on instagram or is it uh website instagram linkedin i think it's trailer uh i always accidentally spell taylor whenever i uh, send her an email trailer t-r-a-y-l-o-r transpo t-r-a-n-s P O oh, wow. So there's a Y in there. So trailer transport with a Y. So T R A Y L E R T R A N S P O. We'll make sure to include a T R A Y L O R because trailer is Brittany's last name. Oh, okay. 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 Yep. 
We'll make sure that we put a link to her in the show notes to show off what good marketing looks like in the freight industry. Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to transition to this next topic because this company has been historically very good at marketing. And I think that they are definitely one of the top companies when it comes to marketing. Um, but we had a little bit of a news drop uh, just yesterday, which I'm excited that it dropped yesterday so we can talk about it today selfishly. Um, yeah. So, uh, Grace, tell us a little bit about what the hell is going on with Flexport because Ryan Peterson is back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, this is a wild story I, I, because I, I will say this was like all happening while I was on the radio too. So it was like me like picking up different feeds. So basically what I'll, I'll go through timeline because I think that kind of helps with all this. So on the 6th, because <laughs> like, this is coming out right <laughs> later, on the 6th of this, so yesterday, September okay. 6th, uh, Dave Clark, who started off as a co-CEO, which sounds like we'll get into that in a second, uh, started off as a co-CEO with Ryan Peterson uh, and then ended up taking a full-time CEO uh, this summer, uh, came out and said, hey, basically I had this chat with Ryan. Uh, we're not aligning 100% on, on where we want to take the company with the way the market's currently going, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we've just like basically just discuss this, which was the weirdest part about it. It seemed like it was very like quick Abrupt. and fast, which that will come up in a little bit later in the story. Uh, and so I'm going to step down and Ryan is going to come back. And Ryan was like uh, tweeted pretty quickly afterwards. I want to say 45 minutes afterwards, I'm back down for it, et cetera. Um, and now it came out probably 45 minutes after that, that there's a possibility that Dave is, Clark is going to be running for governor of Texas. Crazy. Um, which is like, you know, in today's society, why not? Uh, I, I guarantee sure. with what he's gotten paid in the past at Amazon, he probably can self uh, fund it. So uh, that's a very interesting state. I mean, we just did an article about uh, transportation and, and trade and how much Texas could really become a, a huge booming economy. So for someone who, has been a part of that ride too. It's could be a lot of fun for him, I think, to to be a part of that. But uh, so that came out, and that that helped me make more sense uh, into kind of like the quickness of it. Uh, but then, uh, uh, middle of the night, like I said, yeah, thinking about me, guys. I just like don't. I I mean, I just take naps, periodical <laughs> naps. That's like. And it's like very great. My doctor loves it. And I I never hit REM. So it's, I uh, know. Uh, it's healthy. Healthy yeah, lifestyle. It's like, super, it's like super healthy. And like, I'm definitely not working on it at all. Um, and so I I see in, you know, Rachel ended up reporting it to this morning that uh, there's some room, there's suggestions and, and sources saying out there that uh and, now the quickness will make sense of this that he was actually fired um by the board uh and and what i think is, is i mean we all we've all been in businesses where we feel things coming on right so i think it was probably one of those situations where someone pulled a card a little bit quicker uh but it is a huge story because really what's happened here is you have someone who he told Rachel Premack perfectly go check out the story you have an individual who comes from Amazon and if you see from Shopify and a number of acquisitions and moves that Flexport's made 
while with Dave Clark. It's clear that he was brought on to help create more of this uh, full logistics facilitator where mm-hmm. I can help a uh, either a Walmart, but I also have the capabilities of helping a mom and pop shop mm-hmm. buy globally, trade globally. Uh, and then at the end of the day, last mile services, uh, point of sale systems, customer service, et cetera. So it's kind of like this whole really like what logistics Amazon, in a box. Exactly. What Amazon has done for their third party sellers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a phrase for it. I can't remember what it's Amazon something services, but uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. It's on the, the tip of my tongue too. Yeah. And uh, services. I think. Yes. Yes. AFS. That's what it is. <clears throat> So basically doing that at Flexport. And I think uh, clearly it sounds like at some point Ryan can't, and it's, it would just, uh, it isn't working for where they want to take the company. And listen, uh, Dave, like I said, I, Dave Clark seems like he's financially fine. Uh, he also seems like someone, especially if we're talking about going as governor who would like to, be maybe doing what he wants to in this time of his life. So if you have the opportunity to leave and do that, knowing that you're leaving in a position, that's not even really what you're passionate about to begin with. I'm also not surprised by it. And I think most of the industry is not surprised by it too. Once he broke down and explained, you know what he was hired for and why that's not happening. I think we see that a lot in the space too. And it's always interesting to watch maybe some of these, (laughs) Uh, partnership, right? Uh, those type of roles, uh, chief of, of, of partnerships or uh, you, you see it in revenue as well. A lot of those individuals are brought on for, you know, a certain way that a company is looking to maybe gain customers or, or gain a market share. And if it's not working out, then why am I hired here? You know, there's like someone that could use Dave's experience, or Dave could just honestly retire right? or become the governor of Texas. So uh, again, not completely surprised. What I am excited to see though, out of this is like what happens next with yeah. Ryan coming back. <laughs> he seemed very focused on his next steps in life. So he had just joined Y YC found or was he YC nope. Or, or Nope. But founders fund. Oh, founders. Fund. You're okay, thinking okay. of combinator. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Founders fund. And, uh, that's, yeah, exactly. Like he see, not that he was like over Flexport, but like he had an idea of what was going to happen next. So I am interested to see where this goes, especially if that's what they're fo- going straight back to focusing on freight forwarding. I mean, they, uh, maybe they get rid of some of those acquisitions, but or the plane, uh, even though the plane looks really cool. They well, the, like plane, the plane, plane. they still use, right? That's the freight forwarding <laughs> stuff right there. Uh, they just bought their own capacity, I guess. But uh, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to see maybe what happens next there. And uh, a yeah, strange it leadership feels, movement. I, I think it feels very abrupt. Um, yes. I yeah. think maybe if I'm reading between the lines, because I, I just pulled up Dave Clark's um, LinkedIn profile. And just a day ago, uh, he shared like a, an exclusive, like Flexport exclusive launch event. Come by yeah. and say hello. We'll be, you know, sweet tech giveaways and some other surprises along the way. See you soon. He shared that a day ago on his LinkedIn yeah. profile. And I, I was, the reason I, I pulled up his LinkedIn profile, cause I was curious, what was his logistics experience prior to Amazon? And it looks like it was just Amazon for, um, looks like six plus four. That's, uh, yeah. So, um, 
22 years at Amazon. And I think that was his only logistics experience. And I say only as if that's not like a huge achievement. But if you're going to somebody like, I think Amazon and their business dealings is vastly different than like a freight forwarder where you have to understand all these customs rules and regulations and for global countries, which are different for each and every country. So, um, uh, very interesting. I I think that he did it kind of abruptly because I think Ryan, you know, uh, probably would have wanted to control the message a little bit more than just uh, Dave just dropping the news on his own Twitter and then uh, saying peace. And then I, I, from a communication standpoint, it looks like um, Dave wanted to be the first one at the jump to drop yes. the news. And I imagine that the PR department and the leadership team uh, within Flexport was not um, entirely prepared for him to drop it that soon. Um, yeah. But I, I like the I like the I'm back tweet from Ryan Peterson because you could tell like the, it's just so I think it's really challenging to, uh, first of all, the questionable decision of hiring a co-CEO, especially when you're such a a figure as the founder. Like you are a figurehead within logistics. Like you are going on like the top podcasts in the world to talk about logistics. So you're almost, I would say like him and Craig are like 1A, 1B as far as like the people who talk about logistics on the big like legacy platforms yes. like a Bloomberg or it's not legacy, but like the all in podcast, um, which is insanely popular. But Ryan Peterson is a friend of those guys on that show. And he's yeah. you know spoken at their events. Um, so I think it's really interesting to have such a big founder persona and then think that hiring a co-CEO who is probably shares a lot of your same leadership qualities um, that you would be able to balance that power. I, I just don't think, I think you got to have one person at the helm that is the ultimate decision maker. And then everybody else falls in line or follows suit or, you know, challenge where appropriate, of course. But I, I do think that that move was doomed to fail from the beginning of hiring a co-CEO. And it feels like that that's sort of the um, where a lot of other people are at. Uh, would you agree? Or would you think that co-CEOs work? I, you know... <laughs> The look on your face. <laughs> I remember because I just remember when the news came out, I was like, ew. Like, <laughs> I, 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 just in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, those must be really fun decision making meetings. You know, like, like who's the like, final say? Like, exactly. if you're co CEOs, that was one of who's the driving the vision. That's like the whole point of a CEO is to like drive that vision. And if you're telling me that, I mean, even in this situation, when they did announce it, they did say that there was like a transition period, like that wasn't mm-hmm. going to be uh absolute co-CEO situation. But that also tells me that you, that the person might not be the right person for the job because you have to take that time to transition, transition them into it to understand where you want the business to go. And I just felt like as big and the investments behind it, that it was like, I can't, I I can only assume that the investors were like, great. Yeah. Yay. You know, like <laughs> that sounds solid. Um, but uh, yeah. So it's, it's, I think ironic, right. To see how it all ended knowing that this is how it all started. Cause clearly that transition period did not work as if, one hoped it would it makes you feel like okay probably wasn't just the best probably wasn't the best person to lead it or 
the thought process of how to grow it of what he was supposed to do wasn't well thought out of uh thought out with too so yeah it's very interesting and um i just wonder it's yeah with someone like ryan who does talk so much like if we'll find out more uh within I, the next I think weeks w- w- with like, you know, we were talking about freight marketing earlier and, and I mentioned how uh, I just, I'm such a fan of their marketing. Um, and I don't know how many of those people are still actually at Flexport. Uh, I think they were unfortunately involved in some of their layoffs about a year ago um, mm. when the new CEO or co-CEO took over. And so I think some of those people are unfortunately not with the company anymore, but they were one of the first to create like, hey, here are some, you know, people on Twitter that you should be following that work in the freight yeah. industry. Um, so simple things like that, um, interview series, you know, shining a spotlight on women in logistics. And one of my personal favorites, um, and I'll share it with you now is the beer of lading. What's such, did you, have you ever seen this? No, they made the beer, right? Where are those, where are those sold at? Um, well, Ryan tweeted this out, um, in June of 2022. So about a year ago, I'm not sure how they actually have, have sold these or whatever. Um, but if you're, if you're just listening, it's essentially a beer they made. Flexport made their own beer and it has the label on it that calls beer of lading, obviously a play on a bill of lading. But then also like the graphic design and the bottom of it, where it almost it looks like waves of the ocean and like little cargo ships in the way the design is is beautiful. The name yeah. is insanely clever. Um, I just think that somebody like Orion who goes on all of these, you know, sort of uh, mainstream legacy podcasts um, to have somebody like that, that is a fan of marketing like this, our industry needs it. And I don't know, you know, what the ROI of something like a beer of lading can is. I just think it's fun. And I'm, I want more like fun freight marketing. And uh, I don't know where yeah. you can buy this. Um, maybe that's a, a good decision, you know, that or a, a good question that we could ask Ryan. Um, but related to, you know, sort of the what we what you were referring to as like the qualities and the leadership decisions of what's being made at the top, like who's driving the ship there are during the, all of this, you know, sort of kerfuffle that was happening yesterday. Um, one uh, member of the logistics uh, community tweeted out this book that's called Chasing Stars, The Myth of Talent and Portability of Performance. And he mentioned this book because of all of the points that you were sort of highlighting and the fact of are, how are you going to bring in this company or bring in this person who's had a tremendous amount of success at another company? And how do you know that they're going to be a fit for your company? And maybe some of the warning signs were there ahead of time that should have probably been paid attention to. Um, and so a few of these things, <laughs> a few of the, the key takeaways from the book is that performance isn't always portable. Um, the role of context, um, which, you know, sort of I guess puts a focus on, okay, if they were successful, what is the context of what they were successful in the industry and the company that they were working in, in the conditions of the economic environment of where they were working. If you were working, you know, at a trucking company um, during 2020 to 2022, you were probably favoring, you know, pretty well with rates that success during that point 
versus this year, it's probably not going to translate, or maybe it won't translate. Um, that that remains to be seen. But there's um, a couple of other points here. One I thought was really interesting is um, in the book, it says the gender differences in portability, where uh, it, it, it identifies an interesting gender dynamic where a women's performance appeared to be more portable than men's in the specific comment or context that he studied. This was attributed to the idea that women had to build more portable external networks because they may not have had much access to internal firm-based resources. <laughs> oh my God, is this my life? <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Oh my God, it's so... No, this is uh, hilarious because I feel like, personally, I had to do a little bit of that between my experiences because I, I felt like I needed more of that ex- external network in order to to showcase my skills or to... You know, like provide. an insurance policy. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, a way for me to to sh- to say, like, here is the skills that I have, and here are the people in different areas of the of our industry that can support that. Right. Um, that's incredible. I uh, I will say, uh, starting off just on the portability of an employee, I will say that I think this often. And I think this is like part of the whole like non-compete discussion as well. Mm. I just, uh, you know, in the startup environment that I've been in in the past, uh, we would oftentimes get individuals who were kind of like that star, which is another one that uh, I think, I don't know if you've touched on it yet, but the 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 dangers of... Yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the dangers of star hiring strategy to yes. companies that seek to hire away star performers from competitors often find that these individuals do not perform as well in their new setting. This questions the wisdom of hiring strategies that prioritize the recruitment of high-performing individuals without consideration for how they will fit into the new environment. That that's pretty, one that's pretty spot that on. One, yeah, and I've and I've I've seen it happen over I mean, like when we first started, there was an individual like when I was three of us at the company at one point we had hired like an all-star uh, from a very good brokerage. And, you know, as a small broker, especially at the time where um, this was when the uh, bond ch- had changed for brokers. So there was a lot of care, a lot of brokers leaving the industry and a lot of new ones coming in who could afford the new bond. What was it when it went from like 75 to a hundred thousand or yes. something like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so in that, like we already were struggling to like showcase to carriers that we could pay our bills. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like this individual comes in and they've, yeah, there's a good book that he could bring with him, but we, I mean, especially at the time, like we were flatbed oriented and this was like, I want to say, I want to say that he was like into like um like gfs type of moves like these like food services and stuff like hmm. that it's like we don't have any reefer capacity we don't we don't have the ability to take huge losses that was another one there's another big company that we had um i wouldn't say t- took someone from but someone from over there had come over and helped us you know secure a customer and and was like just running losses nonstop. Hmm. And he had come from a different incentive system and, and from a company who could take losses on all these loads. And it's just like, no, we aren't looking to organically grow that way. We're bootstrapping. And when you're bootstrapping, you can't cut your margins down to 1% uh, in order to, to get by. So like that individual is actually costing us money. And I think that's 
you see that I think a lot in this industry is like, and that's why I think the whole non-compete thing is even funny to me because how often do those individuals that you steal, how quickly can they bring that stuff over? Hmm. Like, especially the bigger the account, like, uh, how easily is someone like Walmart going to say, oh, yeah, you know what? Yes, I'm going to move this completely over to a different company just because you're some guy I trust. No, they you're a peon in their worlds. It's like, so I think that's a little bit of it. I think you see a positive star situation more on like a higher level of uh, someone who's been in the industry for 30 years and just has that that Rolodex and that um uh reputation built in the industry where it's like yeah that person is going to close uh png for you you know mm-hmm. that person is going to get you in the door uh for sorry there's a bug on my microphone um <laughs> is going to get you in the door to uh to a bigger customer uh, but i i just i don't think a lot of times that works 100% and honestly you end up finding out that a lot of those individuals are bad behave, have really bad mm. behavior. You know, they're they're that all star who brought culture down. And at what point are you really willing to risk that? And like, how much business is this individual going to come in that's not also detrimental to the business that maybe is now coming out? So yeah, are they a team player? Are they going to? They, did they get away with a bunch of shit at the other place mm-hmm. that they worked at because they brought in so much business? Exactly. And they maybe come into the new spot with a little bit of swagger and a you know. A, I think anytime you join a new company, you almost have to have a little bit of um, like a humbling part or a humble part of your personality where you got to learn yeah. every, you got to learn new culture. You got to learn new uh, what's allowed in the office. What's not allowed in the office. How do you collaborate with teammates and, 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 you know, executives and the dynamics between all of that. So it's not necessarily transferable from one company to another, to, to your point. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, uh, we've witnessed maybe some individuals out there who have who are doing that, and it's well, you uh, stopped yourself there. <laughs> power, power to you. Go for it. I wish you all of luck. But it's like, uh, you know, I, I sometimes our generation makes me laugh. We're so confident in ourselves sometimes, <laughs> and it's like, uh, you know, put the work in, and and that'll work out. But I also like, there's people in this industry that we all know that do have that network and have Mm. built up uh, decades of time in order to pull that off. And just because it's easy for you to, to, to get an LLC and and say that you're doing something doesn't mean it's, it's necessarily going to happen. So we'll see. The shade. So funny. This is is the the beauty of this conversation is that there's layers to it. Oh, there's layers, honey. Like, it's, it's, like, no, I did want uh, to. Um, oh, but, it's but, funny. But every we... episode, I just like get too shady, and I have to take phone calls afterwards. <laughs> well, speaking but. of which, I, I want to move on to our next segment, but quickly while we're talking about good and bad marketing, it's kind of like the theme so far in in this show. I did want to showcase a company that is, I think, doing a stellar job of marketing. We've been talking, you know, for. I think you and I, um, Reed from Lost Freight, um, Craig, of course, um, everybody's been kind of pumping up um, Twitter slash X and getting more folks to or getting more people from the freight industry to come over on the platform and uh, just post more. Uh, You know, Ryan Peterson is a perfect example of that with his great marketing. But another company that I wanted to highlight is Truck Stop. 
Dude, I, who, oh my god, who who did truck stop hire in the last couple months? Uh, that's so funny. Everyone, she didn't even tell me she was gonna say truck stop, and then I was about to be like, if she says truck stop right now. Yes, I support this this thought process 100%. And if anyone at Trekstop is listening right now, whoever is running your Twitter account is Ooh. killing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are doing so good. We're showing one of their latest tweets. So um, obviously, we know that fraud is a big in- a big industry problem. It's only been getting worse and worse. And you know there are a bunch of companies that um, are kind of turning a, a blind eye to it a little bit. But there are other companies that are highlighting the problem, figuring out where the problems are, and offering solutions. Solutions. And so uh, Truck Stop is not hiding behind some of these things that they just uh, released a tweet yesterday that they were highlighting all of the accounts denied by Truck Stop's fraud prevention in 2023. And so they have the branding, of course. I think, you know, it's it's no uh, surprise of who's, I guess, maybe they're they're taking a shot at here. Um, but they've uh, this image is uh, 7,155 accounts that they have blocked. And they're showcasing this as, hey, come work with us because we have the fraud prevention capabilities that you have been screaming from the high heavens for. And they're not afraid to talk about it. And they're not afraid to double down on it, which I love. I love when people go on social media and they have a hot take or, a you know, I guess a quote unquote hot take and they don't back down and they double down on it. That you, it's like instant respect when a company is able to do that. And this isn't the only tweet that they've been firing off. They've been firing off a lot of different tweets, uh, or a lot of different posts on, on X, whatever we're calling it today. Um, but it's really, really good. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to uh, sort of co-sign what you just said. Whoever is running the truck stop Twitter account, kudos to you. And, and I felt it. It's a it's someone, <laughs> they hired someone in the previous quarter that uh, it's gotta be a millennial because they're using more emojis. Uh, they are, can you see the replies? Their, repl- their replies are so good. No, no, no. Like how they're replying to other people's tweets. Oh, oh. Like that's what's really been like how I've been enjoying is like, oh, someone is on there like putting in some actual work and like reading what people are saying. Uh, and I just, again, whoever is running it, I'm feeling the presence. I'm enjoying it. It's like, again, Blythe and I did not re- like plan that. Yeah. See, <laughs> Look at these gifts. <laughs> it's like I see, love, it, it's, it's so a bare good. minimum. I'm, can work I'm emailing, and Brent, right now. I'm emailing Brent after this episode <laughs> and telling him to give that person a high five because it's they again are just like that. <laughs> it's it's and it's funny, like again, neither of us had like told each other we we're gonna talk about this, and we already had the same experience. Like it's I'm seeing it in the timeline, I'm seeing the response. Yeah, exactly. See, like, scammers going to scam. That's so simple. (laughs) How do people just, like, kind of, how does that go over people's heads? It's not complicated. Whatever conversation, or not whatever conversations are going off on the, you know, the brokerage floor or the sales floor, like, these are the kinds of conversations that you could be, some of them, not all of them. Um, but some of them that you could be, you know, having that gravitas, that that little bit yes. of a swagger. Like, yeah, we we've heard you. We know this is a problem. 
here's our solutions. And hey, it's actually like a real person that's responding to this. It's not just like auto tweets with a few hashtags that nobody's going to click on and nobody's going to use. These are real replies. These are real interactions, real engagement. And that's all we want from people who are going on these social media platforms is to have a personality because your personality is going to get you talked about. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing that up. <laughs> no, I, I felt that like a couple weeks ago, I remember I, they replied to something I did and then I saw them replying to something else. Like it might've been a Craig tweet or something. And I was like, some, this is new, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> somebody has a personality and freight. Like we immediate yes. follow like immediate interaction. Cause I just, yeah, I, 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 we're both big fans of that. It show you up authentically. That's what we mean. Like, have a selling point and have a little bit of a swagger behind it and and not be afraid to have that confidence and be able to double down and not have to have every tweet go through, you know, legal and um, all of the different approval processes. Just let your creative people be creative within, you know, obviously, you know, don't let them talk about like politics or religion or you yeah. know anything like that, anything questionable like that. But if it's in their domain, let them boast about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight, telling the stories behind how your favorite stuff and people get from point A to B. Subscribe to the show, sign up for our newsletter, and follow our socials over at everythingislogistics.com. And in addition to the podcast, I also wanted to let y'all know about another company I operate, and that's Digital Dispatch, where we help you build a better website. Now, a lot of the times we hand this task of building a new website or refreshing a current one off to a coworker's child, a neighbor down the street, or a stranger around the world, where you probably spend more time explaining the freight industry than it takes to actually build the dang website. Well, that doesn't happen at Digital Dispatch. We've been building online since 2009, but we're also early adopters of AI, automation, and other website tactics that help your company to be a central place to pull in all of your social media posts, recruit new employees, and give potential customers a glimpse into how you operate your business. Our new website builds start as low as $1,500, along with ongoing website management, maintenance, and updates starting at $90 a month, plus some bonus freight marketing and sales content similar to what you hear on the podcast. You can watch a quick explainer video over on digitaldispatch.io. Just check out the pricing page once you arrive, and you can see how we can build your digital ecosystem on a strong foundation. Until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you all real soon and go Jags. Go Jags.